Hello and welcome to According to John. In April 1863 in Columbus, Columbus, Mississippi, after decorating graves of her two sons who died representing their beloved Southland, an elderly woman walked to two mounds of dirt at the corner of the cemetery to place memorial flowers there also. What are you doing? Friends shouted. Those are the graves of two Union soldiers. Softly, that compassionate mother said, I know. I also know that somewhere in the north, a mother or a young wife mourns for them as we do for ours. And that deed, that moment set in place the beginning of Memorial Day. And so as we look at who gave their all, amen, I thought, wow, what a time to look back. And so once a year, uh, we honor those who died in war, but uh, their sacrifice is evident every day by the freedoms that we get to walk in. And so today we're going to honor the memory of all those who sacrificed their lives, and because of their sacrifice, we're free today. And I think of the numbers of those who died to preserve the freedoms that we enjoy today. And I went on to a website uh, called uh, Gettysburg Flags and on that, and and I just started uh, researching uh, wars that America has fought. I did not realize that America, uh, small and great wars that I'm talking about, have been in and are in uh, 104 different wars throughout uh, the history of our country. And, and again, some of them are, are big wars, and we know those, and some are small wars that we don't know. And I thought, let me look at the, the big wars. Let me look at the ones that everyone pretty much remembers. And we're going to look at the sacrifice. And, and I looked at different sites, and they had some different numbers. And so I just kind of took what uh, would be the median of those numbers and put on here. And so uh, if you will look, I believe it should be up here, the Revolutionary War. We lost 25,324. The War of 1812, 2,260. The Mexican-American War, 13,283. Civil War, 620,000. Spanish-American War, 387. World War I, 116,710. World War II, 407,316. Korean War, 54,546. Vietnam War, 58,098. First Gulf War, 382. The War in Afghanistan, 2,455. The Iraq War, 4,488. And I think about all those wars and those who, who have died in those wars. And if those numbers are off a little bit, we still get the idea of the, the magnitude of sacrifice, the moms, the dads, the brothers, the sisters, the families, the friends who went to war for one reason. In their heart of hearts, they believed they were fighting for freedom. And when I think about freedom and, and in these wars, and the other wars that are not up here because I didn't have the space to put every war in every number. But when I think about the wars and I think about the selfless act 
of those who put themselves out there so that we could sit here today, freely worship our God, freely lift up the name Jesus Christ. And I think about how if we don't stand in the gap, and for those who are serving today, God bless you, thank you. For those of you who lost loved ones in wars, God bless you, and thank you is not enough. And as I was processing all of this, and because I was just curious of, of how many died, right? So that's why I started going out and, and, and searching the numbers. And I thought, oh my goodness. I think of the Civil War. And the Civil War was all about freedom. And not even my freedom. But it was freedom to save the blacks from slavery. And I, and I go and look, and, and, and I can give you statistics on, on Democrats and Republicans and, and how not one Democrat voted for freedom of slavery. Not one. It's, it's in the books. Go search it out. Go look it out. A hundred percent of the Republicans voted for to end it. And and we couldn't come to this agreement, and so 620,000 lost their lives. And they gave the statistic of those that were wounded, and that was, a, that was a phenomenal number as well. For freedom. 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 All these other wars we fought wasn't even for our freedom. It was for others' freedom. So they would know and understand what it would be like to have freedom the way God set it up. Because Americans, America was built on the freedom of the Word of God. All of our Constitution comes from the Ten Commandments. Did you guys know that? And so I thought, if we're going to look at soldiers who gave everything, I thought I would talk about heaven's greatest soldier. Heaven's greatest soldier being Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to diminish uh, at all of what the men and women gave for freedom. But I also cannot overlook the greatest soldier that ever came to this earth. Born of a, uh, of a virgin who stepped foot onto the harshest battlefield and to this day is still fighting for us. Gave everything, and not just gave everything so that we could have freedom, but gave everything so that we could have life. Life everlasting. And again, I'm not diminishing the soldiers that, that died and the numbers that we looked at, not by any means. It was because of the freedom that they fought for that, uh, that, that we had freedom in this country that lasted long enough for me to hear the gospel and get saved. For you to hear the gospel and get saved. The freedom that allowed me to hear about the greatest soldier that ever walked that ever came to this earth 
so that I could have a lifetime of freedom. Momentary rough road right now on this earth. But do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever he says comes to fruition. And there is coming a day where we're going to walk on the streets of gold. Man, am I ever looking forward to that day. And so this great soldier, he gives his life not for a single nation and not for two nations, but for every nation, for every people, for every kindred, for every tongue, for every tribe. He gave his life. And his sacrifice, the life that he served was to set us free from the captivity of sin. And so today I want to remind us of heaven's greatest soldier. I want us to always remember of his appearing. Jesus laid aside his home, his residence, which was in heaven, which was perfect, without sin, no lies, no pain, no tears, no murder, no nothing. Just perfect. And he leaves that to come here where we are not perfect and we are not free from sin, we're not free from pain or we're not free from suffering or sorrow. And He willingly left everything to come to a world where people would hate Him and reject Him. John 1.11 John 1.11 says, He came to His own and His own did not receive Him. And, you know, when we look at soldiers, and we think about soldiers, we look at Vietnam War, they knew what it was to be rejected by their own people as well. And it was ugly. And it was horrendous. And it was way worse than it ever should have been. And Jesus coming to a world to give everyone freedom, it became ugly. Way worse than it ever should have been. And yet, he, knowing all of this, comes to be ridiculed and hated and killed. And he came anyway. John 1.14 says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see that Jesus becomes flesh to be the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. He lived as a man among men and died as a man to redeem man from his sins. He lays aside his heavenly apparel to put on the uniform. Just as a soldier leaves and takes off his civilian clothes and puts on the, the, the uniform for his nation or her nation, Jesus does that. He leaves his heavenly apparel and he comes and puts on worldly flesh. But he was without sin. But he still had to take on the uniform for the battle that he was going to go into. He willingly took upon himself the body of a man. Look here in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And we're going to roll through this, guys, because what I've realized is, as I normally always do, I have way more notes than I have time. 
says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Here we have, we have the Son of God, Jesus, who makes himself of no reputation. He built this earth. The Bible says in, in, in the book of John that the Word, right, without the Word, nothing was created. In Colossians, everything was created by him for him. And here he takes on no reputation. He sacrifices the, 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 his, his kingdom position, sacrifice his position of, of God and authority over all of humanity. And he takes on the form of a bondservant. A bondservant. That means a doulos, a slave, if you will, of no, of no reputation, of no position, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so here was God, the creator of the universe, born as a baby in Bethlehem, not even in a house, but in a stable. All because he knew in order to save us, this had to happen. And I think of all these soldiers that went to war in order to save us so that we could have freedom. They knew that the sacrifice had to be put out there. And they did that for the nation. God did this for the world. And so here was God who owned everything, the earth and the fullness thereof, with no place to lay his head. Look here in Matthew 8.20. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Guys, when we're talking sacrifice, we're talking sacrifice of everything for every human being. Heaven's greatest soldier comes to earth, no place to lay his head, understanding he's going to step aside from everything that he knows and owns to come to an earth where he's going to be hated and ridiculed, doesn't have a home, nowhere to lay his head, and he willingly does this. He made everything, and, and he says this in Psalm 50, verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all its fullness. I, I, don't, I don't need, listen, I, I don't need to do this. And I don't come to earth to get you to take care of me. I own everything. The world is mine. I'm just putting it all on the chopping block for you for me. And so when we, when we look at this and you see what Jesus has done and how he leaves heaven and he came to the world and now he knows pain, suffering, rejection, hunger, thirst, loneliness, and all kinds of other problems that come with that. And yet, he still walks away from it all for you and me. And he does this for one reason. He's, he suffered all of that so that he might feel our pain and know how to comfort us. Look here in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, the great, he's our great high priest. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so he comes he goes through all that he goes through so that he can understand us. Hebrews 2.18 says this, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted. Why? He is able to aid those who are tempted. That's why he came. So that he could help us. And many times we treat Jesus the way those in America treated the Vietnam veterans. And yet the only reason he came was to give us this freedom in Christ, freedom in God, heaven as our home. And we spit on him. And we curse him. And we do all of that. And he knew this was going to happen. And yet... He put on his uniform, the flesh, and came and died for you and I. He went through everything he did so that he is able to aid, to help us who are tempted. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And I'm just, as I think about the greatest soldier ever, that's the picture of selflessness. His whole goal, his whole agenda was you and I. Those soldiers who went to war, their goal, their agenda was freedom for the people. And God says, my freedom extends to the world. The greatest soldier that ever lived. When he, Jesus came into the world as a man, he lived as a man, he died on the cross as a man. For one reason, because he loved us. And so we have to remember his accomplishments. Remember his perfect service. When we look at 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. And so when we remember his accomplishments, we remember his service, justified in the spirit. In Matthew 3.17 says this, And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I, I am well pleased. God the Father sent his only son into the world to die so you and I can live. And the father says that the son, this soldier, did so well that the father says, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And, and if, we, if we think about it, if we just stop to take a second, if you have a child 
Think about what it would be for you to give your child, the life of your child, to die for everyone in this room and everyone outside this room. And for the bum on the street who's an alcoholic and drinks himself into a stupor and just lays on the street and wets himself. Hasn't had a shower in a month. Urine dried, stained all over him. The wretched smell. And you got to sacrifice your child for that person who curses you and blames you for the position they're in. And you still got to give your child for that person. And that's what the father did. And he reminds us, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Because see, Jesus didn't smell the smell. And he didn't see the stains. He saw a broken person that needed a savior. And so Jesus says, I'm willing. I'll go. I'll go fight the fight. And he did. In Matthew 17, 5, says this, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so he was justified in the Spirit, as 1 Timothy 3.16 talks about. And the Father saw the service that Jesus did, and he was pleased. When Jesus came into the world, he was born and he lived and he died without sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God the Father took God the Son who knew no sin to be sin for us for one reason. For one reason. So that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. God's like... The father says, son, it's time to put on your uniform. It's time to go, and this is going to be an ugly war. Man, it's going to be an ugly war. And you're going to be hated. You're not even going to be recognized for being God. You're going to be despised, and you're going to be hated. And you're going to be sacrificed. They're going to beat you so bad, nobody's going to recognize you. And you're going to die a horrible death. You're going to go on the cross, and it's going to be agonizing. And Jesus said, Father, that brings, that brings them home to us, though, doesn't it? All the people? Yeah. Okay, I'm in. Sign me up. All so that we would become the righteousness of God. First Peter two, twenty one through twenty two. For to you. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. 
He perfectly fulfilled the law of God and his service was accepted by the Father. And Jesus satisfied all the demands of God. Look here, 1 John 2.2. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation uh, uh, is the payment. He's the payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And so this greatest soldier who ever existed, who ever put on the uniform to fight for flesh, paid for the entire world. Romans 3.25 Whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. That meant He had to die through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. I'm just telling you, God, Jesus is the payment for the entire world. He is the soldier that put on a uniform that he did not deserve, that should never have fit him. And yet, he made it fit so he could come to earth and suffer. And die for you and I. And his work has been accepted by his Father. Romans 4.24 says this, But also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in Him, Jesus, who raised up Jesus, or believe in Him, the Father, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Listen, imputed. Not, not only does Jesus die for our sins, not only does Jesus die and sacrifice His entire uh, existence for us, but then He takes the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and imputes it, puts it into you and I so that we can live a righteous life, a holy life, so that we can be successful, so that no evil formed against us will ever prosper, so that when we take our last breath, we join Him in heaven. He imputed to us who believe, if you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't get this. You're going to be a casualty in war. God wins, Satan loses, and if you don't know Jesus, you are on Satan's team. But for those who believe, for those who believe, it's imputed into us. We're to remember his perfect sacrifice. Look, Jesus did not just come to the world to live, but he came to die. Look here, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, the truth is, he gave his life a ransom for everyone, for all who would believe. But the, the reality is, uh, uh, there's going to be many who receive Christ, but there's going to be the multitude who deny him. And that's why it says he gave his life a ransom for many. Because not all are going to believe. Not all are going to appreciate what this soldier did. They're going to treat him like we treated the Vietnam veterans. They're going to spit on him and curse his name and curse his existence. And they're going, to take, they're going to take the very breath that he gives them, but they're going to deny the life that he wants to give them. Look here, John 18, 37. 
Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. I love this because here he has been like a pauper all the way through, right? And then he gets before Pilate. He's going to be sacrificed. He's going to die on the cross. And Pilate says, Are you a king? And Jesus says, Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. Let the truth be told and put it on record today. I am the king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I love that. Jesus is like, yeah, don't make no mistake, baby. Okay, he didn't use that terminology, but you get what I'm saying. I am it. I am the king. You say rightly. Glad you figured that one out there, Mr. Pilate. Look here in 1 Timothy 1.15. He came. Why? To save sinners. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief and of whom you are as well. Paul says, I am the chiefest of sinners. But I'm going to tell you, everybody sitting here is a sinner as well. And you need a Savior. When Jesus died on the cross, he suffered in ways that were unimaginable. Look here in Isaiah 52, 14. Just as, <clears throat> just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. And so what this means is literally he suffered and was beaten unrecognizable. And his suffering was for one reason, and it was you and me. And when he talks about uh, death, uh, uh, his death made Romans 10, 13 possible. Look here, for whoever, and it's because of his death, because this soldier went to the cross for all of humanity, not just a nation, but for all of humanity. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And guys, I just want to encourage you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, man, you need to, you need to rethink that. Because the day is coming when you will take your last breath. We have wars and rumors of wars coming. And it's so unfortunate because there's going to be more soldiers die. And not just soldiers on the battlefield in the war of humanity, but soldiers who die on the battlefield in the war standing for Christ. And so we have to remember his perfect salvation. He did what he did because he had a plan to save the lost. And then his uh, his salvation is proclaimed because we are hopelessly and hel helplessly lost in sin. Look here in Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. And you, and you, that you is us, right? And anyone, you is us and anyone else that's walked this earth. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Guys, we once walked the walk that everyone else is walking, but when Jesus Christ came into our lives, we were saved, we were forgiven, and we're no longer, no longer under the yoke of bondage but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us man think about that guys Ephesians 2 12 and 13 says this 
that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. (laughs) This soldier fulfilled his duty and he did it well to where the father was pleased and we were the beneficiaries. Guys, don't be one of those who treat Jesus the way the Americans treated the American soldiers at Vietnam when they came home. Don't be one of those. Don't spit at him. Don't deny him. Don't curse him. Be thankful for what he did. Believe unto Jesus Christ. Man, that, that's the picture of grace. His salvation is powerful. We're told, we are told by the phrase, believed on in the world, right? Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, I'm telling you, it's for the Jew and then the Greek also, I'm telling you. Man, it is powerful. His salvation is powerful. And when lost sinners hear it, look here in Acts 3.48. Now, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. They were glad when they heard the gospel and they praised him. And so we have to remember his ascension as well. And and the glory of his ascension, Acts 1, 9 through 11. So after accomplishing what he wanted to accomplish on earth, Jesus ascended back to his heavenly home. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Guys, I want you to hear this. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Go to the next one. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Guys, are you realizing that Jesus is not your typical soldier? Man, he's, he's coming back to fight again. Before he comes back, we know of the second coming, there's this thing called the rapture. And all those who believe in him are going to be raptured out. Now, me personally, I am a uh, pre-trib guy, right? Because mid-trib and post-trib don't line up with the uh, prophetic scriptures. And so I am am, pre-trib. And Jesus is like, I fought the war. And I'm going to take you out before it gets real ugly. I'm going to clean you up. And I'm going to empower you. And we're going to have an amazing time together. We're going to go through the judgment seat, but you guys were a little ridiculous on earth, so we've got to walk through that process. But I'm going to declare you all innocent. Don't worry. It's going to be good. Because, because, uh, because I died, I'm declaring you innocent. And then we're going to sit down and we're going to have dinner and celebrate what I did and what you believed. And then after we celebrate, we're going to mount up. And we're going back. And we're going to clean up that mess. We're going to kick Satan's butt out. There's going to be more that believe. And we're going to set up a kingdom. And we're going to show people what it's really supposed to be like. 
not with all this chaos and junk and sin in our face and this 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 transphobia or this trans dysphoria and this 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 homosexual agenda and the LGBTQ uh, IAA and anything else they're putting on it. Listen, listen. I'm I'm going to show you what it's really supposed to be like. And this greed that's going on in this world and the wars that are going on over greed and the tearing down of a nation over greed and over power, all that's going to be gone. Because see, this soldier didn't just fight for our lives. He fought for our peace. A peace that the world doesn't know and an everlasting peace that will never fade away. He's going to come back. Boy, when he comes back, he's not going to appear as he was described in Isaiah 53, 2 through 3. Look at this. And guys, I hope you're getting excited about this because, man, if you're not, your exciter's broke or you're not saved or you, or you didn't get enough sleep last night and shame on you for not getting enough sleep and coming in here ready to, be, uh, uh, ready to, to get a, a, a taste of heaven from the Word of God to be fed spiritually so that you'd be empowered so that when you left here, you get plenty of sleep for work, you get plenty of sleep for everything else, but you come in here and you don't want to be alert and awake and wait for Jesus to talk to you. I'm telling you, this is good, good stuff to be reminded of what my Lord and Savior did. What your Lord and Savior did. What the Savior of the world did. For all of us. To be reminded of that. You should be sitting there inside and your heart should be leaping with joy. I'm just telling you. People come to church anymore and they, you don't come to hear from God. You come to judge or you come to be a part of a social group. And I'm just telling you, it is far more than that, man. This was a massive cost for God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. And all those who fought wars for us so that we could sit here with the liberty to soak it in. With the liberty to live in this freedom. With the liberty to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in power. We should never come to church expecting anything less than to hear from God. We should be excited to get up in the morning with an opportunity to come in freedom and hear from our holy God. This should be a joyous time to look at this scriptures look jesus isn't coming back the way he came the first time look this is what he came the first time guys you guys have got to see the victory in this and the joy in this and the power in this and the deliverance in this if we're going to remember let's remember and then let's praise him look here He's not coming back like this because he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. It means that he, he has no stature to him and he's not attractive at all. As a matter of fact, Jesus probably was no more, at best would have been five, five, five feet, five inches tall. At best. 
typically back here, they were five foot to five five. If they were five five, they were tall. And so that's why when they see Goliath at nine feet plus, they're like, oh my goodness. And here Jesus comes with no form. The king of kings, no form. Not attractive. In all of his glory, he's not attractive. Oh my goodness, how does this happen? He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and he hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And I'm going to tell you, when we come back, after we suit up, and we come back for war with him on horses, oh, he's not going to be looking like this. He's on a white stallion. And he's suited up for war with names only he knows. And he's going to come and he's going to speak. And when he speaks, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he is Christ the Lord. He's not coming like this. He's coming back and we're coming with him. And we'll have victory. It won't be any of this. That's going on. Won't be any of this going on. When he's king of kings, it goes in the closet and stays in the closet, and there's nothing coming out of that closet but righteousness. Guys, this should get you excited. Because, see, every soldier that we remember on, on Memorial Day, they're not coming back to fight for us again. But this soldier, he's not only coming back to fight, he's carrying us into victory with a great promise. We have to remember his ascension. Go down to Hebrews 10, 12, if you will. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He took his spot back. Because, see, sin has no power over him. Death has no power over him. Man has no power over him. Satan has no power over him. The Antichrist has no power over him. Nothing has power over him. And he takes his seat back on the throne because he accomplished on the cross what no other man could do. And he ascended back into heaven. And you know what he does when he goes back? Oh, guys, you got to get to, oh, I hope, I'm really praying that, that the word of God is piercing your soul right now. Because look what he did when he went back. When he ascended back to heaven, he takes his rightful spot at the right hand of the Father. And then look what he does. He makes intercession for you and me, and he prays for us. Look here, Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is able to save to the utter, uttermost, those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. If you sit here today and you don't think you're worthy, you are right. You're not worthy. And neither am I and neither is anyone else. But God is worthy and Jesus is worthy. And Jesus says through my blood and my sacrifice and my death, if you believe unto me, now you're worthy. Because now you become a child of God. 
Look, I'm just telling you, right? He, he becomes and he makes intercession for us. Romans 3 or 8.34, look at this. He, who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? And he goes back, and when he goes back, you know what? He prays for us, and he becomes our advocate against the attacks of the enemy. What other soldier can do that? Look here in 1 John 2.1. My little children, that's for those who are saved. These things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. If you sin, you are forgiven through Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing, amazing thing that is. When he goes back, he went back with a promise. Look here in Acts 1, 11, and then I'm going to jump down some scripture. It says, who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go. And so, guys, there is a promise that he is coming back. And so let me say this. With that promise that he's coming back, you need to be sure that you're saved. Look here in Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Do you realize that there is nothing that has to happen for Jesus Christ to return? Nothing. He can return this very moment. What I mean by return is sound the alarm, sound the trumpet where the dead in Christ rise first and we who are alive and remain are caught up together with him in the air. There's nothing to stop that from happening. And so if you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're condemned to hell. But because we have a soldier who left his post in heaven and came to earth and put on the uniform of flesh and fought a fight that no one else could fight for you and I, be ready. Be ready. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so over the multitude of men and women who have died to guarantee our freedom as Americans, I do not overlook and I am so thankful. And today we want to honor their sacrifice. But today I wanted to remind you of heaven's greatest soldier as well. Hey guys, if this has helped you, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. And until next week, God bless.